take a time machine back to before the world went to hell. Around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games. That's what I want to talk about. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And continue the conversation on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're cool enough, join the show on Patreon for exclusive bonus content. And now... Less Than 2,000 with Adam Wentz and Chad Bischoff. Less Than 2,000. The podcast. Every single time you and I record an episode of Less Than 2,000, I am reminded of Wayne's World because of the countdown. Specifically because (laughs) of the countdown. And especially when I was having internet connectivity issues, like the numbers would just disappear. It would go five, four, three, and then they'd just disappear and you'd have to anticipate the two and the one and then go. (laughs) Every time we record, I'm reminded of that awesome scene in Wayne's World. Well, I mean, there's a lot of awesome scenes in Wayne's World, but particularly that one for our show. But, you know, I I think, I don't know if it made uh, the, the main show but i remember i remember having a conversation with you about um me being kind of on the fence about about this movie about how it was sort of like jaded our minds and stuff like that and made us dumber (laughs) i'm really glad i rewatched it although the first note that i made was i am so glad you and i never went through in high school with our own public access show it would have been awful (laughs) Chad, are you glad that we grew up in a time where our embarrassing moments that we recorded, they do exist, but they're on VHS in, yeah, like, somebody's drawer somewhere? <laughs> it, yeah, are you glad that we were, like, 10 years older and doing this online <laughs> and that stuff never yes. goes away? Yes. Absolutely, unequivocally, yes, we grew we up in really a lucky. fantastic time because <laughs> technology was just far enough that we got to be, we went from analog to some cool digital stuff, mm-hmm. but it wasn't far enough along that you could bear your entire existence and every thought and feeling at 13 online. I mean, right. like, that's like, thank God we didn't. If we were born 10 years, 10 years later, all the embarrassing things that we put on tape would be online and there would be no way to get them down. Nope. Like none. Forget about none. Star Wars kid. We would have been the original Star Wars kid. Only it would have been like oh. Terminator 4 kid. <laughs> <laughs> pew pew bang bang. You know, just like all like just just running around <laughs> pretending to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, our embarrassing <laughs> stuff was on VHS and is is it is in the bottom of a drawer somewhere in your house, fortunately. Instead of online for all to see. Actually, it's right next to me. <laughs> it's buried in the basement in this room. <laughs> I have I have a big point for this. Okay. I did not expect to have a big, huge, some semi-deep point for the Wayne's World episode. Oh, deep. It is it is deep. I interesting. As as far as our show goes, it's pretty deep. I'm so I'm I'm so interested in what you're gonna say. I, I I have no idea, people. When I was watching this, and I was thinking about Wayne's World, and I was thinking about you and me, and 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 how this fits into our friendship and our lives, 
I came to the conclusion that the movie Wayne's World 1992 is the single most influential piece of media that Chad Bischoff has ever consumed in his life. That Wayne's World 1992 is largely responsible for your career in entertainment. That this movie, Wayne's World 1992... You can't even say it with a straight face. (laughs) ...has led you down the path of the arts. And without Wayne's World 1992, we would not have the Chad Bischoff that we have today. He's, He's thinking... This is real time. He's sipping coffee. His eyes <laughs> okay. are, are closed together. All right. Um, my knee gut reaction was you're you're high as hell. What? But then, <laughs> as I was taking a, a that another sip of coffee before my gag sip of coffee, where everyone could hear, it started to seep in and go. Well, he might not be wrong. I'm not saying you're right. But I'm not saying you're wrong <laughs> because because here's here's where the mind goes because we were okay first off let's that's the timeline you get me into theater uh, and speech you know in fifth grade so we're ten so that's what two years before this movie comes out right a year or two before this yeah or a year or two we were already making you know writing and creating you know excellent home video entertainment in my basement. Uh, not for public consumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe we had already seen Terminator 2 by this point, or at least it was right around the same time, which is arguably one of the most fun movies that we have ever watched that gave us the, the this is holy mother effing bleep, you know, yes. movies like this can exist. Here's why you're not wrong, though. Then Wayne's World comes around, and it projects a sort of like, well, that's us. Yeah, that's that's yes. that's that's where we want to be. <laughs> we want to be cool and have our own show and be in entertainment and you know date really you know attractive musicians uh, and you know that's we wanted that. So it sort of gave us the the dream can come true sort of mentality. So I don't think it's influential. From the standpoint of this is this is great art, it's influential no. in. Oh, this is what continued to inspire us throughout the nineties, and yes. then you went to law school. <laughs> this, this is yes, this is this style of comedy. I was really trying to think of like because if you were to push back and say no, 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 Wayne's World wasn't that big of a deal and not that important to me, I would have been like, dude. It was either Wayne's World or UHF with Weird Al. Like, which one do you want to say was the most inspirational to your comedy career? This was our style of comedy. Yes, we had already been using the camera for a year or two. But this is when when we were using the camera before, we were ripping off Looney Tunes bits. And yes, some Night Court bits. You you were. I Everything I did was original. <laughs> <laughs> then we started ripping off Wayne's World. Then everything, like the style of comedy specifically, the breaking the fourth wall, the talking to the camera, the alternate endings, the dream sequences. Yep. The whole way of approaching storytelling from a comedic standpoint, 
Our voice was basically Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Like, we took the Wayne's World formula and used it all through junior high and, and, and high school. But but here's what's hilarious. We were kind of doing it. We were on the, you know, we were too smart for our own good because we were doing that before we had seen Wayne's World. And then, of course, we saw Wayne's World and then it went to the next level, of course. <laughs> yeah. But we yes. were already kind of doing that. We were already breaking the fourth wall. And the first thing we ever shot, you know, when we were 10 or 11, you know, and you were whispering your phone number into the camera. I mean, we we were already doing these things before this movie came out. Um, so they stole from us, I think. I mean, there's no way they... We developed the, that. <laughs> you know, what I found interesting when I was watching it, I think my, my big thing overarching that that this triggered me, as they say, um, because it's the whole plot of the entire film, really. The concept, you know, obviously of you're underground, you're an independent artist, you're an underground show, that makes you cool because you haven't sold out to the corporate. You're, you're looking to be discovered, right? You know, but then as soon as you start having any sort of success, then you're selling out. And this whole like, this whole thing sort of got to me because I started thinking about this, like, you know, we all hate being underappreciated and yet we want to be comfortable in our future, right? We want to be comfortable in our job. We want to be able to make money. So like when it comes to achieving the uh, American dream, as they say, right? The American dream is, is to have made it. Well, you're only going to achieve that dream when you have money. Anybody who's made it, if you're famous at all, isn't, haven't you sold out? I mean, that's essentially what this movie kind of says. I don't know. I mean, you took this in a very di di different conversation and in a different direction than I thought you would go in. I know. I was. I was. I, I didn't want to pre-interview because I wanted to shock you with this whole like notion. But it's the whole plot. Yeah. Yeah. And and to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know what to make of it other than I would say the if there is a takeaway from everything they do with that subplot, it's probably the necessary evil of corporate sponsorship, of product placement. Still, still one of the funniest things I've ever seen to this day. Yeah. That whole bit where they're wearing the clothes and taking the sip of the Pepsi and I have a headache and it turns black and white these. with the two yellow pills. Like, yes. no, don't get me wrong. I love, I, you needed it for the movie. It only made sense. Every movie that has anything to do in this genre is a rags to riches story. I mean, and then, and in this case, alternate endings. But I, it got me thinking about the overall notion of selling out in general. Mm -hmm. The whole the whole thing about about artists, you're either poor as hell or you're you're doing better than a ton of people in the country. So at what point is this like you've sold out? You almost have to sell out to ever be comfortable in your job. I mean, unless you're like an author who, you know, like Brett Easton Ellis, who just does whatever the hell he wants. I, I don't know. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's like it was it's weird. It It really made me. Con confused as to wh what people think in life. <laughs> That's funny. And and I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm really not. Maybe it's the cold or the bronchitis that I'm getting over. Maybe it's the <laughs> fact that I woke up 20 minutes before we hit record. But I don't find the point that you're making all that interesting or entertaining. 
It's not about being entertaining. See, you're supposed to. This is to, an entertainment comedy show. You're supposed to. <laughs> yeah, but I'm in the arts. You know what I mean? As You're as, getting as all deep on me, and I'm just not there yet. Like, I'm sure Chad had a smart point in there somewhere, but Adam doesn't have a smart response to it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just letting you find the fourth one. Uh, you know what? One of the funniest lines in the movie I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns, to necessitate a rack <laughs> for the gun okay. rack line. My, my takeaway from this, this day. other than how influential it was on us and how it, it this had to be so formative and kept our passion and that you kept it going all these years. The thing that, that really struck me is... Basically, for two, three years after this, every single thing we said came from Wayne's World or Beavis and Butthead. Like this, every, almost every, I started keeping a list of all the words, of all the, shaw, not, and all, all the little one sentence phrases. And I stopped keeping track of it because I realized basically every single line from this movie is a line that we would is a catchphrase that we would start using in our day-to-day lives with each other at school with our friends with our family and the other thing i can think about this is oh my god how annoyed our parents must have been to hear us talk like this <laughs> for the next year or two, two everything three. we said was shut right. right you know <laughs> excellent and there's so much, there's so many things that I probably misattributed to like Bill and Ted mm-hmm. or the Simpsons or something else, but it all came from this movie. <laughs> in fact, that character came from like, he had that character before SNL. He was doing it in the eighties on Canadian television and it was called um, Wayne's Minute uh, by the time he started doing it in Second City in Chicago and really it goes that yeah, far it, back yeah because i knew he created it on uh on um on uh, saturday night live nope he, but he, he brought it to saturday night live interesting well and he also let's be let's be quite frank he also brought dana carvey along too i mean <laughs> interviews of him like so how'd you team up with this and he goes well um he just asked me to be the other guy yep <laughs> The only note that Mike gave him before the first one was Garth loves me so much. (laughs) He is in love with me. Now do whatever you want with it. (laughs) And they had tension on the set because um, Dana Carvey at a certain point was like, you know, I don't want to just be a sidekick. I don't want to just be this little side character in your big famous movie. He wanted to be... You know, I mean, it's called Wayne's World, but he wanted to be a co-main character, and he fought for that. And there was actually a point in the making of this where Dana Carvey, like, threatened to quit or walked off unless Mike Myers incorporated some of the ideas to make Garth a more fleshed-out person. And one of those ideas was to make Garth, like, this, like, quiet genius, like, this sort of, like, inventor kind of which Dana Carvey based that on his own brother. Dana Carvey's brother was actually like a quiet inventor type. Um, <laughs> and and so and Mike Myers um, pissed off a lot of people when he was making this. Like he chose the director. The director was somebody he knew from back in the day before he made it. A female director 
who they did not get along. She said that Mike Myers had to be coddled all the time, that he was very whiny, and that at a certain point, the most famous blow-up was that Mike Myers stormed off the set because they didn't have margarine for his bagel. They only had butter. Um, so that's the... As, a, as an, a famous actor myself, I'm used to walking off stage if I don't have margarine uh, for my bagel. Or or coffee or, uh, <laughs> you know, we go on strike for coffee. I but mean, this was a lot of pressure <laughs> on Mike Myers. This was only the second Saturday Night Live movie ever. The first one being Blues Brothers from the 80s, from over yep. 10 years wow. before. And they finally make another SNL movie, and it's this. Yeah, and I mean nowadays it's they gave him twenty million dollars too. Like I'm looking at this movie, like where did the twenty million dollars go? Like well spent, obviously, because it made over a hundred million. But where did the twenty go? So it's the first SNL movie. It's Mike Myers' big break. He's got twenty million dollars on the line. It's his brainchild. Yeah, he's feeling a lot of pressure. There's not like there's been a million SNL movies that have been successful before. He had a lot writing on this. Oh, a, a tons. I mean, it. but $20 million back then, I mean, it was still a lot of money, but it wasn't for this? an obscene amount of money. Yeah, but... There, it's an obscene amount of money for a comedy with, like, no effects and... Well, no, well, I mean, there's not no... Well, I guess, yeah, there's not really any effects. You can't do... That's not really... That's not an effect. That, that, that costs you two cents. Uh, but, I mean... I but it depends on I mean it depends on how much went to the above the line but you have all the music stuff in it I mean all of that stuff has to be paid for I mean you could they could they could have spent millions on music alone in this yeah um, which you know to that effect I, I I didn't realize this but Freddie Mercury died before this movie came out right but he happened to have screened the film. I mean, probably from, you know, his bed or whatever uh, and and saw it. And I, I guess he, he, he loved the film. He thought it was great. <laughs> he liked the headbanging scene specifically yeah. to yeah to his song, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, that's just so sad. He, he gave it he gave it the blessing for the the uh, the headbanging scene, which is really cool. And which is also really cool is, did you know that Bohemian Rhapsody actually charted the highest ever in its ever existence in the 90s because of this like when really? it came out it wasn't a huge song but this rocketed bohemian rhapsody to the number one slot for the first time ever because of how memorable that scene is and oh well, it, mike myers hated doing that scene and he complained a lot and he complained about his neck and why do we have to shoot this a million times but some other the other funny parts about that was um that they wanted to use a guns and roses song they were fighting oh, really? for a guns and roses song and he was like he threatened to quit the project unless it was bohemian rhapsody by queen and what a great choice oh i mean it's you, a great choice Make it Welcome to the Jungle or something. It's a completely different scene. No, the characters are completely different because the song is so interesting and weird in and of itself. So here are these two characters that love metal, love rock, and everything that doesn't suck, right? And and this song is such an interesting contrast to to them. I, I mean, so it was the right choice. And I mean, had you. Before this movie, 
Did you know who Queen was? I did know who Queen was because of like "We Will Rock You" and 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 the stadium songs well, from from Husker games. Take and the stuff, stadium but, songs out of it. I mean, those were just. I mean, there's no. Stadium I had songs. no idea. But this 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 made me a Queen fan. I mean, I bought same. the best of Queen CDs because of this. Same, same. I mean, this. So this movie ushered in a whole new generation of of Queen fans, which is why yeah. it was charting so much during this time. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Like it's that's that's a that's one of those things that just kind of it, it's a magical moment in in cinema. Like that yeah. song, this day and time, this actor, this movie, it's special. It's just something magical about it. It There's is very, very, very few songs that would would work like that. No, hundred percent. But you so you just mentioned the magic of of this all. One of the things that I found interesting was that Dana. I mean, he was almost forty when he did this. Mike Myers was approaching 30. He was like 28 when this shot. Mm. So mm. here they're supposed to be playing young, young kids, young people, yes. like, you know, college age or whatever. And Mike was, uh, uh, you know, was arguably cl- is closer and not too far off from that. But to right. have a, you know, 28 and 38 year old portraying essentially just out of high school. Yes. And it still is resonating with people. Like, that's pretty crazy. Like, I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't even know how they pull that off. Like, and whenever I'm trying to cast, it's like, I'm always trying to look for like, not just the balance in age, but I try to be truthful to the age, you know? Sure. And here's somebody who's damn near 40. And we're believing that Garth is basically this bumbling (laughs) 20 year old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember the word suck being a bad word. That sucks. Like our parents... We, we could not say something sucked. That was no. that was not cool. We would get in trouble for that. I, oh, my God. That's right. I mean, looking back on it, that's crazy that that was. Because that sucks became such a... I mean, I don't know about you, but I know tons of people who still use it today. Yeah. yeah I say All it, the too. Time. Something bad happens and you go, well, that sucks. You know? like, yeah. But it, w- there was a time when that was a bad word. Sucks. <laughs> We've come so far as a culture. I had this question for you. As far as lowbrow, dumb humor for junior high boys in the early 90s, Wayne's World or Beavis and Butthead? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Sadly, there's two. They're so far apart. I would probably say Wayne's World. I think more people saw Wayne's World, and I think Beavis and Butthead were were two was, was even though I'm currently watching the show today, <laughs> the new ones, the new episodes, but it, it, it's, it was, it was dumber. It, it was, it was, it was dumber than what this was. I think more people saw Wayne's world. So I think more people had um, a thing to it, like an attachment to it than say Beavis and Butthead. I definitely give the edge to Wayne's World. I mean, after after rewatching the Beavis and Butthead stuff and saying, "Oh, I thought, I thought it was pretty dumb," and I'm embarrassed that I liked Be- Beavis and Butthead. I'm not <laughs> embarrassed by my Wayne's World fandom. I, I, as far as dumb lowbrow humor, I'll give the edge to Wayne's World. Good. I'd be very <laughs> unhappy if you didn't. Is the best moment the 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 advertising scene, or is there a moment that that you that edges that out for you i okay i love the advertising scene overall yes but yes the single best moment of the film is 
Have you seen this boy? That ah, you were, I knew we were going to get the T2 <laughs> reference in. I yes. forgot that that was even in the movie, and I'm sitting there watching the movie, and then him saying that, have you seen this boy? <laughs> <laughs> I think between Terminator 2 and Wayne's World, that was like the perfect encapsulation of our childhood and the two different ways that we looked at entertainment, action and drama versus over-the-top comedy, and specifically the type of comedy, the breaking the fourth wall, the alternate endings, the dream sequences, the fact that as the credits are running, they break in and do stuff during the credits, and of course, the fade to black bit. It was yep. at the very end of the movie when they're like, I guess when we're done, they'll just fade to black. I was like, oh my God. That reminded me. Literally, Chad and I ripped off every single thing about this film. And it inspired us yeah. for years to come. And has over 30 years later, it continues to leave its mark. Adam, smart point. <laughs> the genius no. that is Wayne's World. Way more. I don't know what else to say on Beavis that. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know what else to say on that, man. Like that's that's. I mean, it did, and I don't think I realized it because it had been so damn long since I'd seen right. the movie. This is one of those movies I hadn't gone back and rewatched, or right. when it was on TV, played it through. So I had a much lower version of this movie in my head. Like, yeah. I literally expected it to be the thing you go back and watch and go, Shaw, it's not as good. No, it was almost better. And it drove you to a very uh, reflective, deep thought on on our lives. And that's that says a lot about a movie. Any movie that can, that can influence you that much has a spot on the greatest of all time shows. Yeah.